mindfulness around is cool. So we're we're back. Um, apologies, we had to split this up into a part two. Um, welcome back, Mike, um, Maddie. This might be our first two-parter. I love it. We're, we're learning on the fly here. If I can't, if yeah. I can't figure out the the engineering. Um, they hired a mediocre engineer uh, for One Night in Pinehurst podcast. I told you, I don't want you talking down about your abilities as an engineer, right? It's not worth it. It doesn't help anybody. <laughs> there might be a master class on it somewhere that I can, <laughs> I can watch. But, um, so, Mike, you were you were just talking a little bit um, going into, you know, starting to think, okay, big game. You were like, it's either now, life is too short, yeah. um, you know. So you made the decision, then we lost you. <laughs> Essentially, you know, having poked around, looking at options and, and really half-heartedly, right? You know, I'm thinking we could do it. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe someday. I, I remember that mentality that maybe someday. And it just dawned on me. And, you know, there was a few other, you know, specific life things that were going on, you know, in my personal life and, and, and some health stuff with, within our family. And, um, and it really shined on me at that moment that like, it, it was time. It, it's, it's time to stop saying someday. And being a Mainer, you know, I felt like I've already, I've already lived a little of this life. I mean, I've lived yep. that kind of rugged New England, um, growing up, like I said earlier on this kind of rural farm, you know, where we had, we raised, uh, pigs, chickens, turkeys. Um, you know, there was a time before I was born when there was, you know, there was, a cow and a horse and things like that. Um, and, and, you know, we had a massive potato field and growing all these vegetables. I, I was, I was like ready for the mentality that Alaska holds, but yeah. I, I, I wasn't totally prepared for what really goes on up there. Uh, but anyway, we're looking at property. I said, Nope, it's time. And we pulled the trigger. And earlier I referenced a blunder, you know, in moving to Boulder, Colorado, but it eventually got me to where I belonged in Summit County well, purchasing site unseen property off the grid nowhere in Alaska was also a blunder. And what happened was we saw this, you know, beautiful, I, I can't remember, seven or eight acres, uh, dirt cheap, something like nine or $10,000. Uh, it had access through a, a four-wheel drive trail, uh, but it was, it was something that exactly what I wanted, really. I wanted to be remote. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have access to quick, you know, services and shopping and groceries. I wanted to go to Alaska, you know, for short periods of time, we're talking a month at the most and, 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 and really indulge that, that remoteness, that, that let's get away from all the, I guess, chaos, you know, that, that we all have to endure in, in daily lives and all the stimuli and get back to basics. And I think Mainers are good at getting back to basics in a lot of ways. And I wanted to, take some of that Mainer in me and, and, and take it back to basics in a place that was even more, uh, embellished, even more, you know, on a scale that, that is, that's grandiose, you know, that's, it's yeah. a big jump into the, to the bush is what everyone calls it up there. You know, going in, into the Alaskan bush is no joke. So we bought the property. We flew up, uh, <clears throat> about a month later to go check it out. We arrived in April. And when you get to Alaska in April, they have not yet experienced what they call breakup. Breakup is when basically dark winter is ending and everything's starting to come back to life. And eventually the rivers are going to melt. The snow is going to go away. It's, and, and they call that breakup. And, and, you know, here we call it mud season in Colorado, but up there, you know, there's this very specific flicking of the switch 
the days are suddenly getting longer and it's happening really fast. We got up there right, right before breakup and we went out to the property and I was so excited. I mean, you got to understand, you know, we're driving 30 to 40 miles from the nearest anything to get like out into the middle of nowhere. We arrive and we've, we've actually brought snowshoes with us on the flight because we know it's going to be just buried in snow and walking around the property. I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like here's a little hill. We're going to, we're going to put the, the cabin on and this giant meadow is going to be such a beautiful spot, maybe for a future garden or a pen to have some animals. And it was, it was funny. It all looked so good under the snow. Well, and I'll try to make this story short because it's anything. <laughs> we left feeling really good about it. We, we had hired a dirt contractor who was going to build a driveway. And he, he gave us an estimate. He said, look, I'm going to be able to find gravel on this, you know, eight acres. And I'll move that gravel around and I'll, I'll, I'll extend your driveway onto the property off this four-wheel drive road. And I'll build you a little a building pad and you guys can install your cabin. And I was like, great, this is, this is exactly what we want. So fast forward a couple months and the dirt guy calls me and says, Hey, you know, we've had breakup, your property's accessible. I've been up there. I brought my, my little track hoe, my little excavator. And I got some bad news, Mike. And I was like, well, what's that? And he said, well, I've dug 11 test pits on your property and I can't find anything on that property, but clay and silt. And I was like, wait, Clay and silt is what you find at like the bottom of like a wetland or a bog right. in Alaska, yeah. a lot of this, what they call a muskeg. It's kind of this, like this, this really, uh, musty sort of, sort of the swamp, you know, basically is what it is, but it's kind of this Alpine, almost boreal forest swamp. And he said, Mike, you know, your, your property has that one little hill and everything else is basically, it's basically a bog. And I was like, Oh my God, you gotta be uh. kidding. So I was still willing to forge ahead until he dropped the next line. He said, so you got no viable, nothing viable to build a driveway with. I can't do anything with clay and silt. He's like, so I got to bring it in from my nearest gravel pit, which is 40 miles away. Uh-oh. So if I do that, you know, truckload after truckload after truckload, your estimate for this little driveway and building pad is, is 35 to $40,000. Oh. Just, I felt like I could. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? I cannot believe that we are out on this limb now. You know, 30 or 40,000 was way beyond what we had left to kind of do this project. Yeah. So I said, well, hold on, you know, let me, let, let me see what the options are. We had already commissioned the build of this really small cabin. This is a 440 square foot cabin. Mm. Um, it does have two lofts that provide extra square footage for sleeping spaces and things like that. Um, and I know that sounds small. It's a little bit bigger when you're actually in it and you're seeing it, um, especially with the lofts. The lofts are, are really big. Um, they stretch almost almost the entire length of the cabin. It's, it's lofted. There's only a small space in the middle that you kind of see the ceiling. Um, but anyway, the builder called me and to add pressure to the situation, he said, hey, Mike, you know, I, I, I'm going to need you to, to get this cabin off, off my lot. You know, I'm not running a storage unit. You know, we uh. expect transfer this onto this property within the next three to four weeks. And I was like, wow, not only do I not have a place to put this cabin, um, I don't have a viable alternative at all right now. And all of a sudden it became one of the most stressful situations I've ever been in, you know, financially, um, you know, knowing, knowing that I had put my family out on this limb and, and I'm not talking about the $9,000 for the lot. I'm talking about, we commissioned the build of the cabin right. and we had a 
other things. Yeah, stay. you had a lot going. Rock. You know, I, I bought a sight unseen Alaska vehicle. We had a lot of stuff that was that was that was rolled up into this contingent. Yeah. yeah. And uh, basically, I had to hop a flight and I had to go live in a tent in Alaska for about a month in order to find a place to put this cabin because the builders like, look, you're going to have to sell the cabin to another guy who can take it off my lot or something because it's got to go. And, you know, I'm reasoning with him and I'm saying, please be patient. So I get up there and I'm living in this tent and I'm basically doing nothing but walking lots for sale all day long for the first two weeks. I'm talking eight to 10 lots a day. Some of them really remote areas, some of them a little closer to a town. Um, And now because we have all the money, you know, tied up in, in this in this dirt estimate and this property we've already purchased, you know, what I have to what I have for cash on hand to buy property is really limited. So not only can we not go buy another eight acre lot, you know, that I really had this vision for, we've got to scale back and we got to think smaller and we just have to find a place to put a cabin on. So I'm walking this lot close to the ocean. Uh, nothing remarkable about it. In fact, a lot of like these, these thorny trees that really made it unappealing. They're called devil's club, um, a really sucky vegetation to have covering your property no view, lots of bugs. I remember walking and being like, oh my God, the mosquitoes and black flies are 10 times worse. Than I do. Wow. And I get back out to my truck and there's this like guy standing there. And, you know, it was awkward. You know, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the bush. And he's like, hey man, what are you doing out here? And I was like, <laughs> checking out property. Hoping to some- acquire this land for next to nothing if possible. <laughs> right, yeah to look up this deal on zillow i'm just doing the best <laughs> lot and he's like well, you sure it's for sale you on the right property i'm like yeah i'm pretty sure you know i got i got my little gps right here and i, I think i'm in the right spot and he's like okay you sure that's for sale huh and i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> now i'm not as sure i'm like for and this is a two acre lot and it's nothing again nothing remarkable and i'm like oh i think it's 9500 or 10k or something like that and he goes okay all right. And, and, I, and I'm feeling like I'm being interrogated by this. Yeah. Question. Give me and, back to the tent. Yeah. So we stroll back over, you know, closer to my truck. And I see, you know, he's got this lot that's kind of adjacent and he's got this unbelievable view. Okay. And when I say unbelievable, I mean, he's only roughly a half mile from the, from the ocean's edge and about 350 to ver- uh, 400 vertical feet above the ocean. So if you can picture oh, wow. It rises steeply out of the ocean to this property that he's on. And I'm sort of on the the top of the hill, set back from this view, this property I'm looking at, you know, not great. And well, one thing leads to another. And this guy, Steve, he says, uh, would you want to buy one of my lots? And I'm like, well, do you, do you own one of these lots with these epic views? And he's like, yeah, that's, that's my lot right there that you're pointing at. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and um, you know, I said, you know, what, what are you thinking? You know, are you sure you want to sell to me and have an, you know, a new neighbor? And he said, yeah, you sound like the best kind of neighbor. You're going to be here for what? Four to six weeks a year total. And I was like, yeah, you know, for the foreseeable future anyway, for the next maybe 15 to 20 years. And he said, yeah, let's talk about that. And basically one thing led to another. And this guy sells me this lot for like $7,500 that is awesome. worth a lot more than $7,500 just for the view alone. The view is staggering. Mm. staggering. 
And when I'm talking staggering, guys, you are looking out at an ocean. Like, so basically, the landscape topples away right below you. There's, it's all forested, and then it just stops, and there's the cook inlet, this huge arm of the ocean reaching up. And on the other side, about 25 to 30 miles as the crow flies, is a vast, completely, completely un, you know, undeveloped, unpopulated part of Alaska called the Lake Clark National Park and Preserve, with mountains rising out of the rising right out of the ocean to glacier-covered peaks that summit around 11 to 12,000 feet. So this vertical relief of these peaks is 12,000 feet from sea level to their summits. Everything's covered in glaciers. And that's like just your view. That's your front yeah. yard, yeah. right? So we, we do this thing. He's like, let's do it. And I was like, great, let's go to your bank tomorrow. You know, and we <laughs> tells me the, sells me the land. And I'm working on it like the next day. I go and buy a chainsaw at the hardware store and I'm dropping. <laughs> and I call the dirt guy and the dirt guy, same guy, he shows up. And he's like, well, hey, this is a better choice because even if I can't find dirt on your land, I got a gravel pit six miles away. <laughs> yeah, you own a gravel pit and a plot of land now. Let's talk about a driveway that costs 10000 instead of forty. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so it was incredible. It was like such a relief. And so, I, you know, I, I brokered this deal with this guy. I ended up, you know, getting the, the builder. The builder was ecstatic. He's like, great, you know, we're going to get this cabin off my lot and onto your new dirt. And it's just going to be phenomenal. And all of this just kind of unfolded. So like, almost like serendipity, like it just happened that way. And here's the kicker. I got everything lined up. I was feeling really good. And I called my dad and I said, dad, Alaska's going a little bit better than I thought. I, what do you think? Maybe in this last week I'm here, you could fly up, you know, you're retired. You know, you have a little bit of disposable income. You know, you're in your mid, you know, your mid seventies. I don't know how many years you got left. Let's do this thing. And he did. And he hopped the flight like two days later, he arrives. We go out on this fishing trip. And this is the best thing. I have put the original swampy lot up for sale. Right. And, you know, of course, a realtor says, yeah, ask, you know, ask something exorbitant. You're not going to get it, but we'll see where we land in the middle. Well, we only owned that swampy lot for like four-ish months. And I am on a fishing charter with my father off the coast of Homer, Alaska, fishing for halibut and king salmon and having this epic day. And my phone rings. And first of all, I'm surprised I have service. We're like, yeah, yeah I was going to say. That's the part. Yeah, yeah. Secondly, the realtor says, hey, Mike, you have an offer. And I'm like, what? Already? I'll take it. <laughs> and he says, yeah, you have an offer. And I'm like, am I going to break even? And he goes, actually, you know, the offers for like $14,000. And I'm like, what? We're going <laughs> to, you know what though? You know what? You said, oh. you said, you said this is serendipitous and you said this happened and you said you kind of, and I think this might just be, I'm learning about you, maybe your mindset. You kind of phrased it like you backed into this. What I heard was somebody with the resiliency to go and grind it out. And I think that you earned it. You earned those breaks because you went out there and you did the hard work that most people would say, ah, I don't have it in me. So like, I feel like anybody in life who's willing to, to take that resiliency, tap into it and just stay disciplined and like keep at it, you're probably going to back into some good situations, but it feels even better because you earned that. Like you had to work for all of that right. to come together. You know, 99% of people would, you know, sit there on the phone, call oh, yeah. and, you know, fly back after you found out like, okay, we, we can't, we can't build a driveway. We can't put anything out there. You, you did the exact opposite of what 99% of people 
that, that I know would do. And you brought your tent out, camped out for a month, um, and and figured out a way to make it happen. So um, oh, it's an awesome, awesome story. It's and I, if you don't mind, oh sorry, I was just gonna say if you don't mind, if if I can steal a picture, I think there's one I saw on Facebook. Um, and post it out to Instagram and share with, with our listeners or followers, uh, along with the podcast, um, just so they can, uh, great story, wonderful storytelling. I'd love to give them the, the end, um, a little treat at the end of the tunnel there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we took our first trip as a family this past summer. Um, and you know, the cabin was up, we had this great foundation where in Alaska, you have all this permafrost and you have these real considerations about how to secure a building on a piece of property. Um, you know, they have earthquakes. They have, there's a lot that goes on. You don't have to contend with in Colorado or even Maine. Yeah. And you know, now it's up on these, these helical foundation posts that go down into the ground 13 feet. And, and it's just, it's very stable. It's a beautiful little cabin. Um, it's really simple. You know, it's nothing, it's not going to wow anybody who's like, Oh, did you build the perfect picturesque? <laughs> No, no, no. We're looking for the the view um, that you described. Um, yes, and and not only is it the view, like with an ocean breeze like that, you know, where, where you're looking out over the Alaskan Ocean, the breeze is also keeping you, you know, keeping that kind of moderating your climate some, and it's also keeping the bugs away. And I know that doesn't sound big of a deal to most people in Alaska, in the in the bush of Alaska, it's a big deal to be able to escape the bugs without a bug net and without going inside. Yep. And, yep. and, you know, we felt, I don't think we've ever felt as blessed as when all this came together. And finally, here I am, we've traveled to Alaska with the kids, which is a journey, you know, that's a journey though, yeah. just to get there. Yeah. And once you're in Alaska, you're still, you're still not to my cabin, you know, there's still more journey ahead hours and hours. And we're finally pulling in, and just to see their faces was like, you know, my kids were like, whoa. And my wife was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> pulling in. And it's everything you think about when you think of Alaska, like rugged woods leading down to like a crazy shoreline, the ocean beyond, and then these peaks that Alaska, that defines Alaska, glacier yep. coming in the distance. And it was like, untouched. Oh my God, this, this is Alaska. And I was like, I know, like how much cooler is this from the swampy lot we had in the middle of nowhere? You know, like, um, <laughs> that, anyway. must be, that, no, that must be incredibly, an incredible sense of pride too. Yeah. It, it wasn't just pride. It was more like, like it, there was a sense of like somebody, somebody's like guiding this. There's like, there's like yeah. a connection to the whole trials and tribulation that led up to it that yeah. I felt you know, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, this was all my grit and sweat. No, no, no. It was, there was something else at play there that I, I can't even define, you know, like, a, you know, f whatever your belief pattern is, you know, it felt in that moment, like there was definitely a higher power that was keeping me from sure. going into financial ruin on a total blunder <laughs> alternative. We never could have dreamt of, you know, um, and just to kind of put a button on it all, uh, I would say, I would say that it's still in its infancy and we've only just started to discover, you know, the fruits of like, you know, the salmon rivers 
and the offshore fishing and, and we've done all that, you know, but only, I mean, we have just barely nicked the surface of what there is to offer, even where we are on the Kenai Peninsula. There's so much more just on the Kenai and the Kenai is like this tiny micro fraction of the whole state. And so there's a lot of stuff upcoming. Um, Gibby, you know, you, if you, if you've been tuning Facebook feed, you're going to see a lot more stuff coming. Um, Love we that. have for, for hunting missions, uh, fishing missions, backcountry stuff. That's, that's, we're really just scratching the surface of. So, um, I'm ready to embrace all that wild and dangerous and, and all that stuff that, that you really feel like you're up against it. And yet when you have the minutest piece of success up there, you feel like it's such an accomplishment. You feel well, super- that's, that's the thing. It makes other things that you do in your life that somebody else may feel like is insurmountable. You're like, Oh, it's no big deal. Like I'll get through oh. this. You've oh. like baked that in now, which is kind of nice. Like that's fight or flight. Really? That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, this sounds small, right. And, and it's going to sound insignificant, but like just taking your kids away from all of that social, you know, that, 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 um, technology influence and that screen time and, and their, um, some of what society has to offer us that might be a little on the toxic side. Right. Sure. I was, I was nervous about like, Hey, how are the kids going to do for four or five weeks of like, Hey kids, there's no running water. This is off grid. This is going to the bathroom in an outhouse. Yeah. You know, it's going to be rugged. This, you have not done this, you know? And, and they leaned into it. It was That's so awesome. They leaned into it like full force. And I was just like, oh my word, this is going to work. Like I am going to be able to show them a path and have them not just walk it, but appreciate it as they're doing it, which was so, so yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Maddie and I are excited for the, uh, the inaugural week long trip out there to run the podcast. Um, (laughs) yeah, we we, we won't need running water. We won't actually, we just, we'd need a little bit of Wi-Fi. I think would be good. It's funny you bring that up because, um, you know, we are, uh, we're really excited for kind of, I guess to say like, what, what can we, how can we grow it? Um, and make it it appealing to friends that maybe aren't, aren't into that a lot and give you like, Oh yeah, I would take a trip up there. I have this annual backpacking trip that I've, that I've done now for, well, for, for 20 years. And, and there's, you know, a, a core group of guys that does this, uh, you know, anywhere from 10 to 13 guys that always come, and they've been joking around recently, like, hey, what might it look like if I migrated this to Alaska? And I'm like, the first thing I say is, well, it's going to be a lot more expensive, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but it's, it's definitely going to cost a lot more. You wanna, you're going to want to brace for that. But, well, uh, so, so here's the thing. Um, this show is sponsored by our, our new sponsor, Sterling Street Brewery. Um, uh-huh. They claimed the, the Monday, Tuesday fireside yeah. fodder um episode so uh so maybe we'll have mace and jesse who were on last week um put the bill but <laughs> yeah yeah we'll write it off against the business we're, we're taking a lot of liberties with ssb but i think they'll be okay with it <laughs> um mike before i i let you run um because i know you got a deer in the in the slow cooker oh. you got the family probably coming home from hockey um so i don't I don't want to keep you too much longer. And and we really appreciate this. This It's fantastic. Um, So, and I, I could go on. I have like 17 more questions about like going deep into like 18 miles of woods and and mountains and uh, a close encounter with a wild animal that came at you. Um, But 
there is there is one segment of the show that I would be remiss if I did not ask. So you mentioned back in Winslow, Maine, there was like one store. Um, yeah. So you're driving back, stop at the store. You're a little bit hungry. You need a snack. I know yeah. you're trying to live off the land as much as you can. Maybe it's a gas station snack. Maybe it's a bag of chips. The world is your oyster. Um, what is your like desert island? I need a. I need something. It could be a pastry. It could be beef jerky. Um, we've had we've had a wide array of questions, but this is a tradition for guests that are new. Love, um, well, let's see. I I I briefly want to correct you, Gibby. Uh, it is Windsor versus Winslow. Oh, Windsor. Actually- I'm sorry. That's okay. He's a big he's a big police academy fan. He's got it on the brain. I'm from Massachusetts, not from Maine, and <laughs> but I claim Maine. Um, you know, in my hometown, we have a general store. And uh it's it I would say it has micro fame in the state of Maine. And it's called Huzzy's General Store. And it's really famous because for well, for about 40 years, the big sign that sits out on Route 32, right at the corner of Route 32 and Route 105. It says Huzzy's General Store, guns, wedding gowns, and cold beer. Yes. <laughs> and it is an iconic sign. Yeah, and, man. and you can go in there and buy a new washer dryer. You can buy a <laughs> 30-06 rifle. You can buy your bread. You can buy your beer. Um, but if I'm stopping at that store, and that's where I'm going with this, I'm stopping at Huzzy's. Yes. I'm going to go to the counter, and I'm going to get a ham Italian. All right. And Italian means to a lot of different people, wherever you are in the U S but in the state of Maine. Okay. A gas station Italian is gotta be white bread, wheat bread, unheard of people. Like, what are you talking about? Wheat bread. I want my white bread boy. All right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You get your white bread, 12 incher. You're going to cut that puppy down the middle. You're going to stack in a bunch of probably, probably uh, grade B ham. You know, this doesn't need (laughs) Okay, this is as basic as it gets. You're gonna put in pickles, tomatoes, mm-hmm. onions, green peppers, right? Liberal, very liberal application of vinegar, oil, salt and pepper, and some real cheap American cheese, baby. Yep, yep. That's no, what- that's a good answer. And you know what? If it's a gas station like uh, like the ones that we have, like Wawa or any of these other ones, you can get sandwiches there. I mean, nobody's gone this route, but it's in play. It's definitely Fair. in play. It's, it's- it's- Huzzy's General Stores Ham Italian is in play. It's a it's a damn good sandwich too. And it's funny, you can't, you know, you just can't, you could probably get that tailor-made someplace. Sure. But there's some spots, but you're right. To do them right, not a lot of people, people mess up somewhere along the way. They don't use enough oil, they don't use enough yeah. something. Yeah, it, it always goes awry somewhere. You don't yeah. need the best. You just need it to nope. be like home, right? No. Nope. <laughs> Best, Gibby. It ain't the best. It's just like home. That doesn't always need to be. <laughs> no, that's a great answer. That's a new one. That's that's fresh on them. We got to start aggregating these. We need to. We need to actually. I, I, I we might... too far. We have to go back and get everybody's answers and start to figure out if anybody ever comes back with something that we've heard because that's the first one we've had for a sandwich. But I'm sure we'll get it from somebody who's not even heard this before. It's likely. So, um, before we sign off. I'd love to, you know, hear like, you know, one of the reasons I talked about going to Fiji Island, we buried that story. We can talk about that another time. I hope we'll come back. And, uh, and another reason why I was really 
obsessed with, you know, the, the fraternity because it wasn't like the fraternity guys, right. It wasn't you, like you envision like on your nineties movies or two thousands movies. Um, it was a lot different group. And, uh, however, um, I did start learning three chords on the guitar as a junior or senior in high school. Um, and I've still maintained those three chords. Um, uh, and you know, thought like, okay, this is the coolest thing. Um, and Mike, Hubie, there were some other you know guitar players, and it was like, oh wow, it was eye opening. Are you still playing? Are you are you doing any performances still? Are you? Is it just you know family campfire, which is still great? Good question. Good question. Um, I still play a lot of music. I still play just about daily. Um, I still write a lot of music. Um, I still, you know, I have, uh, I have a single that's for sale on Amazon and iTunes and you can find it on Spotify. Um, it's called guidance. Um, I play out, you know, for money. Uh, I would say, you know, maybe as often as once every couple months. Um, when I first moved out here, you know, I, I was playing feverishly. I was actually a house musician at one of the bars at the resort I work at. And it was a Friday and Saturday night gig paid well. It was really entertaining. Lots of drunk people hooting and hollering and cheering when you play a song, they all know. And, and that got, that got old for me pretty quick. You know, I did that for several years and, you know, I even graduated that up into being in a band and, you know, in a full band for a little while and doing that same thing, you know, playing the bar scene here in Summit County. And it is a, it is a robust bar scene up here, you know, in the winter, yes. you know, well, we swell from a county of around 30,000 people to around like 150,000 on a given weekend. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It gets big. Slamming. Um, and there's a lot of live music being played. And, and I leaned into that and I was like, this is going to be great. You know, I'm going to be able to play out and supplement income and have a lot of fun. And the trouble with that is, you know, it was leaving what I'm most passionate about, which is writing music. And, and that's still what I care about the most. And, you know, I've written some tracks um, in these last couple of years that, that are certainly a little deeper and more meaningful from my point of view. Um, but the feedback I get from friends and family and people out that are listening to my originals out at the bars is, is they like that, that vein of my music. They want to hear more of it. Um, the fact is I talked earlier about buckets and, and how we can fill each bucket. And right now, you know, I'm cultivating buckets that are, that are, that are just not leaving a lot of spare for that, for that musician's yeah. bucket. Yeah. Um, that's fair. I, um, I love it. And, and in fact, you know, I, I do play just about every single night. Um, I still play a lot of like nineties grunge and I still work on rock a lot. I still, I still try to learn new songs by the Beatles and Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and, and work a lot on that stuff. But the passion for me does not lie in going and playing two or three times a week to drunk people from 10 to 1 a.m. Yeah. Um, I was into that for quite a while and it made the other parts of my life harder. It was not making things easier. It was definitely, you know, making me tired, making me, um, you know, less capable at facing the challenges at, at my real job, you know, which is being, which is being energetic and stoked to go out and, and show the world of ski instruction to my staff and yeah. train them to be a resource for them. Um, you know, I, we have a staff of about 300 instructors at Copper Mountain. Um, and wow. that's a lot. And I have to manage a lot of people. I'm lucky I have two other co-managers. So there's three of us that kind of run that scene. 
Um, but to have about a hundred people under your, under your stead, under your responsibility, it, it's a lot. lot. That's a lot. And, um, it, it really, it just was taking away. It wasn't adding, you know, it wasn't filling my, it wasn't filling me up. It was, it was subtracting. Um, and so I found that performing much more occasionally, you know, I still, I still am pretty regular for a, a new year's gig, a big new year's Eve gig, uh, where it packs the house and, and I love playing it. Um, there's been a couple of times I've been fortunate enough to play our closing day at Copper Mountain, which is a big, cool. we are festival called sensation yep. lot of music and as as sensation kind of wraps up at 5 or 6 p.m and we're officially done for the year everyone's all fired up and they and they start pouring into the bars and and i'm at one of those bars and, and get to play that scene um and so i've kind of i've kind of got to hand pick the things that i want to do that yeah. i know have the return in enthusiasm and stoke that i'm looking for instead of just another drunk crowd screaming free bird. Right? Yep. I, I'm not into that anymore. And I, you know, it's nice to know what you're into and where you want to spend your time and prioritize. And I don't want to be that house musician anymore. Yep. Um, but with that, you know, I do have, I have three songs up on YouTube. I think they have a collective like 400 views, you know, there's nothing. Look at 399, Mike. We're going to have to pump, put that on there. We got to make sure we got to amplify yeah. that somehow. Uh if, if no one from this podcast decides to go and, and check it out but if you do go to youtube it's just music by mike mcfarland um there's three tracks up they were studio tracks actually recorded in new england with studio musicians um and it was it was a great time and and i and i gibby to really you know kind of bring it back to what you're asking i yeah. still love to play music i play it a lot um i get to have more passionate outlets versus that kind of going through the motions feel Right. Um, more of a treat for you because you're doing it less often, but you still, you have the passion for it, but it's it, in the hierarchy of your passions. It might be a little lower than some of those other things. Now I should let you know that while my own music still means a lot to me, I attend a lot of live music. Our live music budget oh, yeah. is very, very stout in this household because we prioritize it, you know, and yep, yep. summertime, you know, we are going to red rocks. You know, I think I did, four red rock shows this summer um everybody should have to do one show at red rocks in their life that, it's got to be a bit of pilgrimage to go to go multiple times a year and and you know to go to some two or three night runs of musicians that i'm really into yeah. um and have a new a new venue here in summit county that is partnered with the same the same production that does a lot of the red rocks you know mm. that gets red rocks names in there yeah. um and we feel really fortunate. They so the Dylan Amphitheater. If you guys haven't heard of it, it's been it's they did this massive multi million dollar remodel, and and now they're getting massive. You know, for 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 an amphitheater that holds thirty five hundred people in a tiny town, Dylan, Colorado. Oh, you know, this is cool. Right on the lake there. And um, it's been great. You know, and and my wife, she loves it. You know, we go to tons of live music together. Um, you know, I got some some shows coming up and. And, and the stoke is real, you know, Love it. So, when I go to see music, it fills me up and it gives me cause to go home and, and, and maybe do some of my own creating and, and, and let that inspiration yeah. kind of bleed through. And, um, and so, yeah, it's a huge part of life. Um, one, my, one of my boys, my youngest son is actually, you know, he plays the ukulele a little bit. He's oh, actually cool. of his nice. own. Songs. Um, He's really cute. He's only seven and he can, he can actually like change chords pretty rapidly for a little seven-year-old on his uke. 
Um, and this is without anything other than me showing him a few chords and, yeah. and, all, you know, so yeah. That's awesome. Um, this, yeah. This, this, chords, this place looks cool. What's that? Chords, baby. I am. Oh, I, so we changed the music on the, the podcast. I uh, used to play us in. Um, I yeah. played the internal landslide and <laughs> we had another musician on um, who was like, that's it. I was like, yeah, I've got eight seconds, <laughs> 10 seconds I can uh, give you. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, I'll tell you another story uh, at another time um, that I've, I've already told on the podcast about my uh, my live show um, where I where I might not have been allowed to be plugged in. Um, uh, but I did perform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. Awesome. Uh, the Pinecrest Inn, where it all started. But Mike, this has been an absolute pleasure. You talked yep. about like the inspiration from um, you know, seeing live music bleeding through. Uh, these are the types of conversations. And I knew talking to you, like inspiration is gonna seep through to our listeners, but definitely myself. And I think I speak for Maddie as well. Yep. Yep. Um, awesome. It was really it was really cool to hear cool your stuff. story. Yeah, how you got here. It intersected with some different things that I did in my life, which always makes these stories a little bit better because you feel it. It's real. It, I can actually like it resonates a little. But yeah, man, it's been awesome to hear your journey. You, you've done so many more things than a lot of people have done. It's really cool to hear that. Oh, well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. And if you know you ever want to do it again, let me know. We'll, we'll, trust me, there will be a part three and four um, mm-hmm. coming up. <laughs> before long so thank you for your time mike um and listeners you'll see uh the fantasy podcast drop a little different spin this week coming up um i think you'll be excited for it uh later on this week so thank you so much and thank you mike mcfarland and we'll see you soon thank you you guys take good care okay Thank you.